Welcome back to Coming Up Winners, ladies and gentlemen. The first two rounds of the NCAA tournament are in the books. Uh, Andrew Lynch, I don't know where to begin. I loved every minute of it. I know it was chalky, and for the first time in NCAA tournament history, favorites 16-0 in the round of 32. That's never happened before. Absolutely bonkers weekend. And I know it's weird to say it was a crazy weekend without any major upsets as the uh, ones, twos, and threes all advanced. But Lynch, you want to offer any initial thoughts on the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament? Just fun. Yeah. In, in a single word, what an incredibly fun weekend it was. Uh, either games were coming down to the wire or games were coming down against the spread to the wire. So many sweats. Uh, obviously, that incredible Duke second round game. Oh, boy. Just... I, I I can't remember. It's been a while, at least, since I've had this much fun with an NCAA men's tournament, even as chalky as it was. What a great weekend. Got to see us twice, um, <laughs> which kind of like felt like gambling on this tournament the entire time. I just was waiting for someone to come and, well, I won't spoil it, but yeah, go see that movie. Um, and I, of whoa, course- Hold on. I've never seen a movie twice in one weekend. What What- was it a bad like why, why listen i'm not go i'm not gonna give too much away here okay. we'll just very very quickly it is not the movie you're expecting it is a thinker and it is very allegorical so the first time that i saw it my very first reaction was huh and then we had to go and see it two days later had to wow. go see it again um i uh, my, i watched almost every single march madness game that was on tv i did miss Tennessee, Iowa, one of the better games. Uh, I was watching a little on my phone. We had my son's second grade basketball you tournament. You broke my, you yeah. busted my bracket, J Mac. It, it was awesome, folks. It was one of the most fun things ever. We there was actually crowds there. I mean, obviously just parents and stuff, but a lot of the other kids. We rolled through game one, 62 to 20 or something. Held on in the semifinals, 24-20 winners, and we had to play. Um, the team with the tallest kid in second grade. Taco Fall. Uh, I mean, he was like Taco Fall out there. By the way, Taco Fall had a great game uh, against Duke. And um, the other kid on their team, who's the best player in second grade? I know everybody loves this. He was on our summer league team last year. He's great. I know the parents. Uh, I don't know if the parents listen to this podcast. His dad was a Pac-12 athlete uh, playing football. And we, we just couldn't beat these two kids. So we lost 24-13. Uh, it was, you know, a little disappointing. But again, our kids were amazing. And it's the first time we didn't get participation trophies. We got a medal. Second place medal. First and second got trophies. And uh, just thrilled, awesome experience. As I've said repeatedly, coach your kids if you can. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Now let's get to March Madness. Um, Lynch. I want to start looking at the Sweet 16 games, and the first thing I want to say, which is some carryover from the first two rounds, is just how three-point heavy these teams are. I can't recall a year where the three-pointer is so big. I mean, watching Houston, they take a lot of bad shots. They can make threes, and then it's boom, boom, Ohio State's done. Liberty can make threes. Iona in the first round, I mean, they made like 15 threes. And I charted this. I went through every single game. In the first round, the team that shot a better percentage from three, 25 and seven. Not against the spread, just straight up. You're making a better percentage of threes in the first round, 25 and seven. Now, in the second round, a little regression. Uh, the team that shot better from three was nine and seven. 
But when I look at the matchups, obviously you want to look at offense, defense, and the Ken Palm numbers. One of the first things I look at is three-pointers. Where would you like to start? Do you want to go in chronological order for the Sweet 16 games? We're going to break them all down. I have strong opinions on some, less strong on others. I think you probably have strong opinions on all of them. You just don't don't, know it yet. No, no, I I don't. I would like to. Why don't we do you want to just do it in order? Yeah, but real quick, I want to talk about something kind of systemic here because I think that's a really good point about three-point shooting. We talked about it before the tournament started, that there were kind of three things you really want to zero in on. Three-point shooting defense and having a lead guard that can go and get you a bucket in the closing minutes of a basketball yeah. game. I would add a fourth that I think we kind of saw in the round, the first two rounds and is really going to make an impact in the Sweet 16. I Absolutely. I will guess coaching. Uh, I'm coaching is huge as well, but okay. that's not where I was going to go. I was actually, it's kind of related to three point shooting. It's offensive rebounding Ooh. in, in the NBA. It's kind of become uh, it's in vogue to kind of sacrifice your offensive rebounding. You want to get back and prevent transition opportunities. In college basketball, you don't really see that tr- that strategic consideration to the same extent. Teams that can can crash the offensive board, especially if they're mm. shooting a ton of threes, and we're going to get to a couple of teams that kind of check both those boxes, um, that's a really potent combination, especially when you're looking against the spread. Interesting. Offensive rebounding. Right there with coaching, three-pointers, and guard play. Well, let's let's start in order, Lynch. Gonzaga FSU, Thursday, 7 o'clock uh, Eastern time in Anaheim. Ken Palm has this game, Gonzaga by 7. The spread was 7, now 7.5. Um, it's obviously a rematch from last year uh, in what was a major shocker. I was loaded up on Gonzaga last year, and FSU beat them to a pulp. It was a bloodbath, 75-60. to 60. Now, Tilly, the big 6'10 guy who can bang threes, he did not play. It was a late scratch. Um, I don't know. My first inclination is the public just saw FSU destroy John Morant. And if you guys followed any of uh, our social media stuff over the weekend, you knew the public was loaded up on John Morant after the triple-double. Miss you already, Ja. Miss you already. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he was tremendous. I mean, FSU, I I was all over them. One of my bigger plays of the weekend. Uh, I gave it out on Cowherd Show Friday. FSU demolished them. But I think the public has now seen a cover by FSU in a big spot when the public was on Ja Morant. And I think the public's going to come in on FSU. And I think, as much as I like this FSU team, I'm going to have to go to Gonzaga here. I think I lean Gonzaga. And Lynch, I'll turn it over to you with this. Three-point shooting this season. Gonzaga, 64th in the country, 36%. FSU, 211th at 33%. And that, I mean, the Gonzaga three-point shooting is just indicative of the fact that this is the number one offense in the country, in adjusted offense, in the Ken Palm ratings. I... I like what you're thinking with the Seminoles. I do think a lot of money is going to come in on Florida State, and perhaps you get this at Gonzaga minus six and a half, something south of seven, which I think is real value there, especially when you talk about the uh, the Ken Palm expected point spread. There's also a larger trend here. It's not the biggest sample size, but this comes courtesy of the Action Network, and I really like this. So when both teams scored 80 points in their previous game, the favorite in the ensuing matchup is 28 10 and 1 against the spread. Wow. Of course, Gonzaga scored 20, 8. Hold on, 28 10, 10 and, and 1. What is that? 70%? 75? Yes, Gonzaga, of course, scored 83 points in their win against Baylor, and Florida State, Florida State put up 90 against Murray State. So huh. that checks the box here. Um, again, not a really robust sample size, but I'm going to put my money on that trend. I wonder what that's about. Uh, both teams score 80. And then there's a heavy favorite. Public comes in on the dog. Okay, let me add one thing about Gonzaga. And, again, I like this FSU team. I talk them up a lot. 
there are some matchups that they're not going to have problems with against Gonzaga. The last four times Gonzaga was eliminated from the NCAA tournament, it was against an ACC team. Okay, Last year, FSU. Year before that, UNC. Year before that, Syracuse in the Sweet 16. Year before that, Duke in the regional final. Folks, FSU is much better athletically than anything Gonzaga's seen in the West Coast Conference. Now, Baylor's an athletic team. They don't have a bunch of five-star guys. FSU can match up. Brandon Clark's not getting 36 points in five blocks. Uh, first player to do that since Shaq in the NCAA tournament. Brandon Clark was incredible against Baylor. He's going to match up against the kid Cabin Gelly, who I've been raving about. It's funny. I, I loved it. He split a triple team against Vermont and dunked it. I posted it on Instagram stories and tagged him. He, like, replied uh, in the comments. He does. I have more followers than the guy. I mean, he's, he's going to be an NBA player in, like, eight months. Um, he's going to be able to handle Clark. And I'm telling you, Terrence Mann, who, as soon as he went to guard John Morant, John Morant could not do as much. Mann's like a long 6'7 guy. Kind of reminds me of Nick Young, who played at USC. Terrence Mann is going to be a good matchup for Kispert or uh, Norvell. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to just fade the public and go with Gonzaga, but I'm telling you, FSU matchup-wise, whatever that's worth, has the matchups. Conrad, any any lean either way? No, Conrad does not have a microphone, so he he's not going to chime in. You can let us know your picks. I mean, I know you're watching every game. Uh, all right, next up, Thursday night, Purdue, Tennessee. Uh, this one's a, a tight line, one-point spread, Tennessee favored. So, Lynch, um, this game is going to be in Louisville, okay? Three hours from West Lafayette, three and a half from Knoxville. So, uh, should be a split crowd. Again, I think the public's going to come in on Purdue. That's a guess. You'll pull up the numbers shortly. It's only Monday. You know, things could change by Wednesday. But Tennessee, 0-2 against the spread. Let betters down, right? Choked. Uh, nearly gave away the Iowa game. And then uh, couldn't contain Colgate in the opening round. Didn't cover Purdue, 2-0 against the spread, just destroyed the defending champs. They led that game by like 35. I was shocked uh, Saturday night looking at that score. I'm going to, uh, again, I'm going to come back to the three-point shooting, okay? Tennessee allowed Colgate to shoot 15 for 29 on threes in the first round, okay? Uh, Purdue, 59th in the country, shooting threes. So uh, there's going to be a window here for Purdue. I... I... I'm going to lean to Tennessee. I, I don't love this pick, but again, I believe the public's coming in on the Boilers. I think athletically, Tennessee's going to be too much for Purdue, especially inside uh, with Schofield and uh, Grant Williams. Um, I don't know. I, I like Tennessee. Your thoughts? You see, kids, and if there are any children listening to this podcast, I appreciate you, but wait until you're 21 to gamble. Uh, you see, kids, this is why you do your homework first. Tennessee, 63% of the tickets, 77% of the money. The volunteers are the public side here. Really? Yes, sir. Uh, and I. How is the public backing a team that hasn't covered for them twice opening weekend? Well, they're due to right. The gamblers' <laughs> fallacy. If they miss twice, they've got to they've got to come in yeah. on the third time. Um, yeah, I. This is a coin flip to me. And in the Ken Palm ratings, you have the ninth team in the Ken Palm ratings versus the tenth team in the Ken Palm ratings, with very little difference between the two. So in that case, I'm going to take the points in a coin flip situation. Take Purdue. I, I'm taking Purdue plus one. By that very logic, if it's a coin flip and I'm getting a little bit of value on one side or the other, I'm going to take that value. So Purdue, uh, Ken Palm has Purdue winning 75-74, yet Tennessee is the short favorite. I guess that's my—I should have read that as the, the Vegas knows the public's coming in on Tennessee. 
I, I like the matchup. Carson Edwards against Jordan Bone. Uh, you know, Carson Edwards, obviously a tough matchup, but they annihilated Villanova. Um, I don't know. I like Tennessee. They've got Tennessee has to take care of the ball here. That's I, if the Volunteers pull this one out, it's because they avoid turnovers. And I, they listen. They only turn the ball over at sixteen percent of the time this season. Um, it's going to be really fascinating to watch those Tennessee guards versus that ball pressure from Purdue uh, that was just so just stifling yeah, through the first two rounds. You mentioned offensive rebounding. I just looked it up. Purdue much better. Uh, even though they basically play four guards and the seven foot three kid. Uh, it's funny. I said before the tournament, friends don't let friends bet on Purdue. And what did they do? They covered twice in a row with Matt Painter. Uh, should be a good one Thursday night. All right, next up, uh, let's look at the schedule here. We've got, oh, this is a good one. Texas Tech. I'm breaking stuff. It's in such the a good one that you're just throwing things around. It's great. Texas Tech, Michigan, uh, 9.30 tip. This is going to be out in Anaheim, Michigan, favored by two. Now, this is a game I don't have a strong read on uh, simply because I like both of these teams. I trust Michigan more. At Texas Tech, the analytics love Texas Tech. Uh, Ken Palm has this as Michigan by one. I kind of lean toward Michigan and the veterans, but man, Texas Tech, uh, they, they were dominant over the weekend, beat Northern Kentucky and covered covered against a Buffalo team. I just feel like this is a massive step up in class for Texas Tech going against a methodical, talented Michigan team. So I lean Michigan, but uh, no strong feeling either way. What are you seeing, Lynch? Uh, I like Texas Tech. This is a really fascinating matchup to me because, of course, you have two of the very best defenses in the entire uh, in in all of college basketball. I'm leaning towards Texas Tech though because a I'm getting the points. B they're slightly better on defense than Michigan is, and C just the size. Uh, I you know I really think that that Texas Tech is going to be able to shut down some of Michigan's shots in the paint and some of those hook shots that they really seem to like over the first two games of this tournament so far. I'll admit, I'm not a Michigan expert by any means. I don't know if that is the extent of their offense, but what I've seen in the first two games, I think Texas Tech's defense just matches up better with the Michigan offense than vice versa. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, two-point spread opened at one and a half. Uh, this, there's not a ton of value here, but I'll take Texas Tech and the slightly better defense. Interesting. So Michigan just played Florida, dismembered them. Uh, Florida, a good defense, top 20 Ken Palm defense, and it was an annihilation. Michigan rolled uh, by 15, and offensively they were pretty crisp. They could have won by more, missed some gimmies uh, their early second half. I had in-game bet Michigan there, and i got to be honest, in-game betting to me, I was 2-0 on Sunday in-game betting, I feel like there's more value because you can get a read for the game and, and like a feel, whether uh, it's pace, tempo, uh, the offensive rebounds, as you alluded to. And I'm going to close with this. Um, again, I don't have a strong feel on Michigan. Three-point shooting. Texas Tech, 65th in the country. Michigan, 148th. Now there's 300-some-odd teams, and the percentage is only 36.6 versus 34.9. So not a huge difference there. I will add this. Um this is a Texas Tech team that had Duke beat early in the season at MSG. Uh, Duke had a late rally. Duke could not make three-pointers. I feel like the public will be on Michigan, so I'm leaning toward the Michigan side. Um, I, I think Lynch probably is right with the Texas Tech play. And finally, Thursday night, Sweet 16, Oregon, the darlings of the tournament. I believe the only double-digit seed left. Uh, Oregon, the 12 seed upended Conrad's Badgers uh, handily 
and then, you know, despite a mild scare from the Anteaters, pulled away easily in the second half, they will face the Virginia Cavaliers. I think this is the biggest spread of the Sweet 16. Eight and a half is what the line is. Michigan, I'm sorry, Michigan. Uh, Virginia is favored against Oregon. Now, uh, I'm going to have you pick this one first. (sighs) My problem, Lynch, is that I really like this Oregon team. They are so fun to watch. Peyton Pritchard, great little point guard. They got Kenny Wooten. I mean, he's blocking everything in the paint. I'm not, not just blocking shots, sending it to the front row. I had to pause the game and rewind it for my kids. He blocked a shot last night, and it hit a cheerleader. Like, he hit a cheerleader with the block shot. Wooten is awesome. They got some scrappy guards. The pro- I think the pick here has to be Virginia, though, right? I love that your reaction to that was to show your children. Yeah, it's I'm like, like, hey, kids, come look. You've got to see this cheerleader get hit by a block shot. Who, who do you like here? Lynch? Virginia. Yeah. I, listen, it's the it's the number one team in the Ken Palm ratings, period. Also, obviously, the top team remaining in the tournament field versus the quote-unquote worst team remaining in the field in Oregon at 29th. Um, I mean, that that's still a very, very good team, but Virginia's number one in overall in the Ken Palm ratings, like I said. They're second in adjusted offense. They're third in adjusted defense. They're just so, so strong on both sides of the court. Eight and a half, as you said, is the, uh, the biggest spread in this round of the tournament. I... I expect Virginia to win by double digits. Wow. Uh, so Ken Palm has this as a 10-point game. Now, uh, Oregon, 132nd shooting threes. Obviously not ideal. And if you're buying the three-point strategy, Virginia is sixth. Uh, so, listen, I, you know, the one concern about Virginia, I think it's uh, Kyle Guy. Uh, or maybe it was Ty Jerome. I'm going to check both of them now. The Virginia guards have not shot the ball well. Yeah, it is Kyle Guy. So, I mean, he couldn't throw it in the ocean against Oklahoma. Uh, shot 13%. And against uh, Gardner-Webb, 25%. Listen, um, he's one of their best players. If Kyle Guy cannot get untracked and loses that battle against Peyton Pritchard, uh, I, I, I think Oregon is definitely going to have a chance to win this. So let me ask you this, Lynch. If I like Oregon as to team, I'm like quietly rooting for them. Um and I think the bet is Virginia. Is the best move to walk away? No. If you think the bet is Virginia, make the bet on Virginia. Let your you got Your heart and your mind can exist separately and independently of each other. You can, and in fact, I think that's kind of the best spot to be in. You put the money on Virginia, which you believe is the right play. And if you cash, you cash. Great. And if not, at least the team that you're rooting for moves on. Hmm. Like there's. That's how I would approach it. Okay. Uh, you're probably right. And again, I, I usually not, am. It's, you know how when you go house hunting, you're not supposed to fall in love with the house. That's like the number one rule. I can't you, speak to that from personal experience, but I love those house hunter shows. So, yes, I oh, know this. Oh, do you really? Yeah, why not? Oh, I ne- and my wife loves those. I can't get into them. But you one of the. Gamble one, on them. What? <laughs> God, who, why are you laughing? You can gamble on them. I'm Which sure house are they going to pick? Somebody's Come on. got inside info on that. You can find an edge somewhere. Um, but it's it's one of those situations where you're not supposed to fall in love with a house when you're house hunting. You cannot fall in love with teams, and I'm kind of in love with Oregon. They're one of my favorite teams to watch left, uh, so I don't know if I'll bet that game. But I, w- we would agree that Virginia's got to be the side. All right, Friday night in the Sweet 16. Now, this one, uh, I think you guys will be surprised. LSU, Michigan State from Washington, D.C., 7 o'clock Friday night, of course, Michigan State and the Tom Izzo chatter. We uh, have somebody who's very close to Tom Izzo here at FS1. I will pick his brain on this game later. Michigan State opened as six-point favorites. Uh, 
has any money showed either way yet, Mr. Lynch? Nope, we're still at six, and I don't anticipate a ton of movement on this one. I, I'll let you keep, uh, you go first. Let me let me find my Michigan State notes here. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I'm I'm writing with the Sparty Party again. This I really love teams that, and we've talked about this in NFL. We've talked about this in college basketball. We'll talk about it in the NBA when we get into NBA gambling, uh, NBA playoff gambling. Excuse me. Um, I love teams that are in the top ten in both offense and defense. When you are elite in both aspects of the game, I I just am going to take you every single time. Michigan. Michigan State, excuse me, third in the Ken Palm overall ratings, fourth in adjusted offense, eighth in adjusted defense. Like I said, I'm riding with Sparty Party. My only concern is if LSU, incredibly athletic team, can force turnovers. If they are wreaking havoc in the passing lanes and on ball and they can get out and run and get those transition opportunities, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Tigers win this game outright. I'm counting on Michigan State to be able to kind of to be able to mitigate that aspect of LSU's defense as much as possible and pull this one out by seven or eight points. Uh, like you said, I expect to sweat this one heavy, though. It's a big, heavy sweat. Okay, so Michigan State, according to Ken Palm, will win this game 80 to 72. Um, that's a, eight points considering the spread's only six is interesting. I, I said it before the tournament. I don't know what it is. I don't love this Michigan State team. I, one of the rare good calls I had in the first round Bradley, first half, easy cover. They covered for the game. Uh, it gave Michigan State a lot of problems. Maybe Michigan State was in the uh, Big Ten tournament hangover mode. But I, according to my notes here, I looked at the LSU offense, which is strong, top 15 offense in the country. They faced several top 20 defenses, okay? They faced FSU, top 10 defense, uh, and they lost in overtime. They faced Houston, top tw- uh, number 12 in defense, lost. They faced number nine Kentucky, won that game on the controversial tip-in on the road, and they lost to Florida, top 15 defense, uh, and that was at home. They lost in overtime. So they faced really elite defenses, and they've been able to put up points. Um, I actually, you know, I know people love Cassius Winston, uh, the great Michigan State point guard. I think he was the Big Ten player of the year. I like Tremont Waters, the LSU point guard. He is a tough guy. He hit the game winner against Maryland, um, and... Uh, Kill me for this, okay? No, nope. that's uh, illegal. I think when you start reading into the narratives, LSU 0-2 against the spread in the tournament. Didn't cash for anybody against Yale. Couldn't put them away. And uh, did not cash against Maryland. I think it was 2.5 or 3. Uh, and they only won by 2. Young team versus the veteran Spartans. The public knows. Oh, Tom Izzo, Final Four. They just killed Minnesota. I think the public comes in on Michigan State. And I'm going to go with LSU here. Uh, now, the three-point shooting is going to fly in the face of that. Sparty, 24th in the country. LSU, 289th. I got to say real quick, like, I love, legitimately, I love, because you're already a really smart gambler. You just keep getting smarter and smarter through some of the analytics Thank over the course you. of this wow, year. Kind and of I love when you get a new toy and how much you love that new toy. Now, when you identified that the three-point shooting trend was one that really stuck out to you, you have done your homework on every single one of these games, and I truly appreciate that. Well, just thanks, wanted to call thanks. that out. Wow. How, how kind of you. Uh, of course, I, I'm sitting here taking LSU in the points uh, probably like an idiot. I When I just look at these matchups, I think Michigan State's going to have some problems inside against Reed, against uh, Big B. Williams. I mean, Big B. Williams in that opener uh, against, I know it was only against Yale. He was dominant. I mean, I wonder, and again, potential narrative, is Michigan State, and it's tough to say, well, are they going to overlook LSU, but Duke could be looming in the regional final. They have a rich history. 
Izzo, I think, is 1-11 in his career against Coach K. Um, I just wonder if they start thinking Duke and LSU is able to get the cover. I mean, I have a ticket on LSU. to uh, Will they get to the Final Four that I bet at uh, one of the casinos in, like, uh, August when I went to sign up for the Super Contest. So I'm rooting LSU here. Uh, I probably should hedge with Sparty. Uh, but I, I, I'm going to take the points here in LSU. Given what we've seen over the past week, if any coach is going to prevent his team from looking past their current uh, current opponent, I think it's Tom Izzo. And that's why you're a smart man, uh, Andrew Lynch. All right, so we're on different sides there. Um, and that's one I will be betting. I will 100% be taking LSU in the points. We'll recap all the bets at the end. There, there goes again. Stop ruining everything. Listen, right. just because... No, I'm not even going to talk about your first two-round record. It's fine. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, we picked every game against the spread lynch definitely beat me in the uh first round and now you're beating uh, up bad. the props was, in our podcast studio bloodbath but i sunday i rebounded you don't care all right let's go to the next game auburn now this one's interesting auburn friday night from kansas city missouri auburn unc unc favor by five auburn coming off that beat down of Kansas Saturday night. I was at a party, uh, one of these casino parties. Not at a casino, but it was one of these dress-up deals. You got me really excited for a second. And uh, I asked them specifically to put on the Auburn-Kansas game. I loaded up on Auburn, if you you saw my Instagram stories. Uh, Auburn by one, and it was Auburn all night. I mean, they were doubling up Kansas. The threes were raining. Can you imagine the night Charles Barkley had after that game? Oh, dude, he must have been living it up. This is a tough spot for Auburn. Very very tough spot. Um, I I dug into this game deeply. I'll be talking about it on Lock It In later. Um, Ken Palm only has UNC winning this by four. Public we know is going to be uh, maybe split. Do you have the numbers in front of you? Because Auburn, when you beat a Kansas team like that, I think you rebound, you get the public on your side after that near choke job against New Mexico State. Uh, it's This is really funny. 59% of the tickets on UNC so far, but you're right. 50-50 split on the money. Interesting. Um, I mean, UNC's topped 80 points in both games and killed Washington. Uh, if you've watched Nasir Little, um, I was hyping up him up in mock drafts, and people were like, he, he doesn't get on the court. He's not playing. He has been Dominant for UNC off the bench, uh, shooting 70% in two games, 39 points, 11 rebounds. He, he's been a, a massive X factor. This is why I like North Carolina. I've already bet North Carolina. Auburn has faced some top 20 offenses. Are you ready for this? Auburn gave up 78 to Duke. Close game in Maui early. Duke was very young. During the SEC play, Auburn gave up 82 to Mississippi. 82 to Kentucky, 80 to South Carolina, 92 to Ole Miss, 83 to LSU, and 80 to Kentucky. I mean, I know Auburn shoots three well, uh, and if you care, three-point shooting, Auburn 16th in the country, UNC 67th. Now, UNC did give up 15 threes to Iona in the first round. If they're not guarding the three, uh, Auburn's going to rain them, and this is going to be close. Um, Auburn is good at turning teams over. In fact, number one in the country. Turned over Kansas 16 times, New Mexico State 16 times. UNC can be sloppy because they push tempo. They got a freshman point guard, Colby White. Man, he is dynamic. He's going to be in the NBA probably next year. Uh, all that being said, I like UNC. I, I just don't think Auburn is a smart enough team. That's not a shot against Bruce Pearl, who I like sometimes. I just feel like this offense is going to be overwhelm Auburn, and I think defensively they will be able to, uh, l having learned lessons against Iota, who they probably took lightly, 
I, I think that they will win this game rather handily. First of all, is your brain as broken as mine? Because when you said, are you ready for this? My brain immediately went into like the jock jam. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. My brain is just irrevocably broken at this point. I will say, I was I came in here looking at North Carolina. Even though you're picking UNC, I think you just talked me into Auburn. Especially at plus five. Listen, if this comes down to minus four and a half, which I think we might see some public money come in on Auburn just because they're such a hot... Hot dog. I can't believe I just said that. Uh, but there is such a hot underdog coming into this game. I do think as the week progresses, there's going to be money on the Tigers, and perhaps this comes down to four Public and a half. Public or sharp? Public money. Okay. And, it, and if so, then I'm probably on the Tar Heels. At plus five, man, I haven't I haven't pulled the trigger on this one yet. I might take Auburn just because of everything that you just said. And wow. This is the one game that I really, really think comes down to rebounding, especially because of those three-point numbers that you just mm. pointed out. If UNC, which is a solid three-point shooting team, top 67 or whatever it was that you yeah. just said, if they can't keep Auburn off the boards, if they're missing those threes, Auburn's going to get out and run, and they're probably going to win this game outright. Now, with that said, UNC – Tied for 19th in the country at 30, about 35% offensive rebound rate. Mm. I mean, that's huge. When you're pulling down a third of your own misses, and then on the other end, there's 77.7% defensive rebound rate, eighth in the country. They yeah. clean up on the board. So, yeah, I think at minus five, plus five, I would probably lean Auburn. If this comes down to four and a half, I think it's North Carolina, and it's just further evidence of, I think, how how – stellar those Ken yeah. Palm uh, spread projections are. This is going to gonna be interesting. I mean, I really, Auburn only has one big kid, Austin Wiley. I mean, he's, he's a big boy, blocks shots. He's got to go up against Nasir Little. He's got to go and maybe have to chase Luke May on the outside. Cameron Johnson, who everybody loved during the ACC tournament. I think he's been relatively quiet. He hasn't, he hasn't been one of these dominant guys in the tournament yet. I think this is the game he blows up. I like UNC. Let's move on to the second set of Sweet 16 games. And here we go. Uh, Duke, Virginia Tech. Um, I think this is one of the most fascinating. I would rank this as the number one Sweet 16 game. Well, I'm sure you'll be hearing a lot about it all week. Let's start with the obvious. They played during the regular season. Duke did not have Zion. Virginia Tech did not have Justin Robinson. And Virginia Tech won at home. Close game. Good game. Uh, Duke is favored by seven and a half. Now, did this open eight and it came down to seven and a half, or did it open seven and pop up to seven and a half? Do you know? Uh, that? It, it opened at eight. Okay. It's down to seven and a half and seven in some spots. Interesting. Duke, 0 and 2 against the spread in the tournament. Did not cover and hell nearly lost that game to UCF uh, and didn't cover in the opening round, a game they, you know, kind of slept walked through the first half. The game is in D.C., okay? And as a guy who went to Virginia Tech for two years, there is going to be a massive Virginia Tech contingent at this game. Now, I'm sure there will be some Duke fans there. Duke travels well. Duke's about four, four and a half hours from D.C. Blacksburg, three and a half, four hours away. Uh, I, I just feel like Virginia Tech is going to be so amped for this game. Um, and, folks, I think I'm going to be on Duke's side here. I think the public is going to come in on Virginia Tech. True. No disrespect to Doug Gottlieb. I saw him tweeting, I think Virginia Tech's going to win. I turn on today's show this morning, and the hosts, oh, Virginia Tech's going to beat Duke. Duke is struggling. Everywhere you look, oh, Duke's not that good. They almost lost to UCF. Well, I this Duke team, it's just, I don't know. Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech. 
I hype Virginia Tech on Lock It In. I have a ticket on them to uh, make the Final Four. I have a ticket on them to win the title. I think Duke covers here. I as a fade the public play That's that makes play. a ton of sense. Okay. Um, yeah, Virginia Tech is far and away the most public team in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Or excuse me, in the Sweet Sixteen. Really, sixty-two percent of the tickets, eighty-four percent of the money so far according hold, to the hold action. On, I gotta network. write that down. Sixty-two percent of the tickets on Virginia Tech already. Eighty-four yes, percent of the money so far, um, and that includes my money. Uh, I took Virginia Tech plus seven first thing this morning. Um, it comes down to, to three point shooting. And it comes down to that Virginia Tech zone defense. You know, I, I'm not – nothing that I'm about to say is novel. We know that if you force Duke to shoot threes, that is the recipe to at least hang with this team. Well, Virginia Tech, more than half of their opponent's shots this year were three-point attempts because they go under every single screen. 50.2% of their opponent's shots this year were three-pointers. Duke shoots 30.7% from behind the, the arc. Yeah, one of the worst in the field. That's a huge factor. And if I if Justin Robinson is at full strength, I think this is closer to a four or five point game than it is a seven or eight point game. So I expect Duke to to advance and to make the Elite Eight. I think you know I think the scare was probably good for them if as a national title contender. I I like it when a team has that you know anxiety and is man able to to persevere through it. Um, but yeah, I like Virginia Tech and the points here. Ken Palm has this Duke by five. Uh, now, one of the big keys is Virginia Tech's interior defense. I don't want to say it's non-existent, but they uh, rank 225th in the country in blocks. Essentially, they have one big and a bunch of guards and wings. Kerry Blackshear, uh, 6'10". He's a monster inside. I They haven't seen Zion. And I got to say, like I could talk for five, ten minutes about the ending of UCF Duke and how Zion is just unstoppable. Attacking Taco, the seven foot six kid. Virginia Tech's not gonna be able to contain him inside. Now, obviously the strategy will be, hey, let's play zone and have them miss a bunch of threes. Just for the record, I think Duke hit 10 of 25 threes against UCF. They shot poorly and Trey Jones has been abysmal. He's shooting like under 18% on threes in his last five games. Nobody respects his shot. Uh, This feels to me like an R.J. Barrett game. He's going to be going up against a future pro in the kid, Alexander Walker. Uh, Really nice player on the wing. And it hurts me. I love this Virginia Tech team. Buzz Williams, I'm a huge fan. They could win this game outright. I I don't, but if you Plus 265 on the money line for what it's worth. If you're into fading the public, right, the move is take Duke here. Absolutely. It's, It's not my favorite pick. But I would say it's probably going to be one of my four or five bets in the Sweet 16. Would you think in-game betting this would make any sense? Yeah, I mean, it uh, it, it all depends on how the game unfolds, right? right? I think, you know, if Virginia Tech goes up early, I think you, depending on what the line is, I think you pull the trigger on a Duke money line bet. I think, you know, Duke is the better team here. There's every chance that they come out with kind of a slow start against that zone defense and have to either figure out a how many threes they're going to shoot in what terms of what their their offensive approach is going to be and b how they free up zion either on dribble drives or getting him in post position so do you know how close duke was losing to that game so they're down four quarter of an inch they're down four and i i mean ucf has a two-on-one break and the alley-oop the guy can't catch a pass that goes in they're up six with like 90 seconds left the alley-oop misses and what happens Cam Reddish come down, hits a three. That is a massive... I mean, the swing went from potentially up six to only up one. 
and then Duke was able to hang on. Um, do you want to talk about the refereeing in that game at all or nah? Nope. I, I'm not into that. I, I don't want to be blame the refs guy, okay? You convert the alley-oop, you probably win that game. By the way, the kid Aubrey Dawkins is nasty. I saw that he had initially went to Michigan and was pretty good there. And then he transferred, you know, his dad starts coaching UCF. By the way, Johnny Dawkins was one of my first college basketball players I loved. I mean, he was a little guard, sweet shooting kid. A lot of the listeners to this have no clue that probably weren't even born yet. Johnny Dawkins, mid-80s Duke player. Um, anyways, I, I, big fan. That was a great game. I will go Duke. Can I get seven or seven and a half for you're the getting, You're getting seven at Bovada at the moment. Okay, so we'll recap the, all the, the picks more at the public end. books. Conrad yeah. will put them up, uh, uh, tweet them out on Thursday for the games. You guys will kill me like you always do if I go poorly. Uh, let's yeah. wrap up. Final game, Sweet 16, Friday night. Houston, Kentucky in Kansas City, Missouri. We know the Wildcats travel well. Hashtag Blue Blue Nation, BBN. Um, Kentucky favored by two and a half. Lynch, for me, this is a stay away given the P.J. Washington status. Uh, without him, they're just not an overwhelmingly awesome team. Really struggled to put away Wofford. If Wofford's great three-point shooter, Fletcher McGee, doesn't go what, 0 for 12 from 3, Wofford probably wins that game. So I'm not a believer in Kentucky without Washington. I, I don't pretend to follow this Houston team as closely as one of our recent guests, uh, Sean Hurley. He was texting me all weekend about the AAC and how devastated he was by the UCF loss. I'll just say this. Ken Palm has it as Kentucky by two only. Uh, Houston, good three-point shooting team. Very good offense defensively. They're very, very good. I'm just going to reiterate, young Kentucky team. Uh, I, if you ask me for a lean, I would lean Houston. Yeah, I, listen, because we're giving out these picks, I'm going to have money on this game. I'm going to have money on all eight of these games. And my money will be on Houston here, but that Kentucky is a two-point favorite. That sounds about right to me. I'm going with Houston because because of the P.J. Washington injury. I think these two teams are about equal on defense. Kentucky's a little bit better on offense when they're full strength, but without Washington, they're just a, a totally different team uh, to my eyes in the little bit that I've seen them anyway. Okay. Uh, and So, yeah, I would so lean towards Houston. Houston. That's good. Houston plus two and a half. And again, Lynch again. Lynch is not a huge college basketball fan, but as a gambler, we know the the real sharp guys in Vegas. They bet numbers. They don't sweat like the the players and the matchups the way we do. Uh, that can be, I think, an added advantage. But some of the pros just bet numbers. All right, we're gonna quickly buzz through and just recap our picks. Uh, Houston, Kentucky. We are both on Houston. VT Duke. Uh, I'm gonna be on Duke. I'm jotting these down so we can uh, get it right. Lynch. Already on, on Virginia Tech. V okay. I will be betting uh, North Carolina. I've already bet them. I'll probably add to that play if the line goes down at all. Uh, Lynch, you are on. Uh, I'm going to – you know what? I'm going to flip back. I'm going to take UNC the minus five. Oh, okay. We're both on UNC. Uh, all right. LSU, Sparty. We are on different sides here. I'm on LSU. I will be betting them, talking them up on lock it in. You're on the Sparty party. party. Uh, all right. Next. Uh, and then the Thursday games to recap, Virginia, Oregon. Uh, as much as it pains me to say it, I will take Virginia uh, fading the public. Uh, Lynch, you are also on Virginia. Yes, sir. Uh, I will give – did I, t I – I haven't bet this game yet. It's a tough one. I, I lean Michigan. I will – for the purpose of this podcast and gambling, I will take Michigan. 
Lyncheron. I'm on Texas Tech. Raiders. Yes, sir. Damn it. I, uh, that's a tough one because, listen, uh, all the numbers are going to say Texas Tech, I think. Purdue, Tennessee, I think, and I, I could be very wrong here, I believe the public ultimately will come in on Purdue. I will be on the Vols. Boiler up. Boiler up. And uh, lastly, Gonzaga, Florida State. I'll let you go first because I've forgotten. i got to scroll down. When they zig, we zag. Let's go, Gonzaga. Public on FSU. Yeah, yeah. I'm on Gonzaga as well. Although, man, that Florida State team is fun. So those are your sweet 16 picks. Um... Now, this, uh, everybody on the podcast is traveling this coming weekend, so we will not have a podcast next Monday for the Final Four. We will have one oh, a Tuesday, Wednesday, somewhere along those lines, maybe even Thursday, ahead of the Elite Eight. Uh, I'm sorry, of the Final Four. Um, any futures tickets you want to talk about? Do we do we, do we want to do 30 seconds on Gronkowski retiring? Of course we want to do yeah, 30 I seconds on Rob Gronkowski. Uh, go uh, ahead. Go. LeBron James is my favorite athlete, Ooh. but Gronk is up there. I didn't see that. Coming. Oh yeah, all absolutely. Right. Love the King. Uh, best basketball player of all time, Rob Gronkowski. Oh, excuse. We can't just slide that in. Just did. Uh, best basketball player of all time. Not the greatest. If you want to understand my logic, there's an article from FoxSports.com from like two years ago. Good times. Used to be a writer. Um, Rob Gronkowski retired from the NFL. The most productive tight end of all time. The most valuable tight end of all time. Whether you want to call him the best or the greatest. I, he's got some stiff competition. Tony Gonzalez, our own Shannon, our own Tony Gonzalez, our own Shannon Sharp. Um, yeah, I think he's the greatest tight end of all time in my book, and he is going to be one of the greatest WWE superstars of all time. Bet Online put odds out this morning on what Gronk's next career move will be, and the betting favorite is that he will join WWE at plus 150. NFL commentator is next at plus 200. Also getting 10 <laughs> to 1 that he comes back to the NFL, 33 to 1 that he plays in either the XF that he plays in the XFL, 33 to 1 that he plays in the AAF, oh, come and on. 50 to 1 that he uh, joins the CFL and 50 to 1 that he uh, participates in a very Magic Mike-esque mm. uh, profession moving forward. Jeez. My guess would be he WWE. does some kind of reality show in addition to some wrestling spots. Uh, but maybe he just wants to enjoy life. Uh, as it pertains to the Patriots and gambling, this is a big hit for them. Uh, I know they won a Super Bowl without him being a factor. He did but they, that. they don't win. That's I mean, they don't win the Super Bowl without that no, massive they, kick. The yeah, absolutely. Super Bowl. absolutely. Right, right. So, they, yeah, he had the biggest play, caught the ball, what, inside the three? So uh, close to up, a 69-yard yeah, catch. Set up, anyway. <laughs> set up the only touchdown. I mean, I I heard I saw stuff about Jared Cook they were going after, but they're not going to get him. This is a big move. This is a big loss for them. Uh, remember, back in that uh, Chargers game, everybody was on the Chargers. Public loaded up. Gronk, I think, might have had one catch or one target. But blocking-wise, he was massive on Ingram uh, and Bosa. Uh, Gronk is huge, not just in the catching, but the receptions, uh, but in uh, you know blocking on the offensive line. This is a big loss for them. And I think there's one other aspect that he's really huge on. I don't know if you saw Bill Belichick's uh, comments after Gronk announced his retirement. Kind of read like a like a letter of recommendation from someone. Um, but what what Belichick really focused on was Gronk's presence in the locker room mm. and, the, and the impact that he had in the locker room. And that makes a ton of sense to me. You know, the, the Patriots obviously are such a buttoned-up professional organization. And I think Gronk was as well. 
But it, it's nice when you are that professional and buttoned up to have that kind of lively energy in the locker room as well. And every indication is he's a great locker room guy who just kept that team loose and kept them having fun, even as they were the evil empire out to try to, you know, maximize efficiency in every single facet. And I, I, I think that's, you know me, I'm not one for those soft considerations, but I do think the Patriots are going to miss that part of what Gronk brings to the team. And adding this, uh, Tom Brady continues to see guys he's worked with for years and years and years, whether it's Amendola, uh, players, coaches. It's essentially now down to Josh McDaniels, Brady, and Belichick, and a bunch of new guys. How about this? Uh, can you find odds on the Jets to win the AFC East? No, I can't because no bookmaker would take those. Ah, jeez. Come on. It hasn't happened in forever. Uh, Let's just file that away. Jets to win the AFC East. Let's see what happens at the draft. Maybe there's a big trade. Maybe something goes down. Um, We saw a susceptible Patriots team last year. I know they won the Super Bowl. I get it. They rolled the Chiefs in the AFC title game. Uh, Well, they rolled them. They won in overtime. But uh, when the chips were down, they dominated. Uh... Let's see. Uh, Jets, AFC East futures. We know it ain't going to be the Bills or the tanking Dolphins. But if I can get, what do you think? Could I get, what, plus 500? You think? No. Plus 400? Three? I I couldn't even begin yeah. to speculate right now. We will look now. for that. You know, it's funny because most of those division winner bets uh, have been floating around. But any of books that had them uh, have them off the board right now, I think, because of the Gronk news, especially with the AFC East. Interesting. All right. Um for Andrew Lynch, uh, I am Jason McIntyre. Folks, it was a tremendous podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, remember, subscribe, rate, and review. We will talk to you next week.